Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they've learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. This week's guest on Is This Room Free is Wednesday Lucas, who has a very different career journey than any other guest I've had on. That's because she spent the last 10 years working in different countries for some of the world's most luxury brands in hospitality, tourism and retail. Her journey has taken her to the US, Abu Dhabi, Australia and on cruise ships. We discuss not only Wednesday's personal career steps in HR, but also the pros and cons of living and working overseas, the adventures you can have but what you have to sacrifice along the way. This is such an interesting conversation and will be hugely beneficial to anyone who has wondered how a career in HR could also help them see the world. I hope you enjoy listening. Hi everyone, thank you very much for joining me once again on Is This Room Free? So I've got a very, very interesting guest on um, on this week's show. Um, I'm going to I'm going to pass over to you, let you do the introduction, and then I'm going to kind of do the explanation of why kind of I've, I've brought you on. So um, do you want to kind of tell the guests kind of who you are and, and what your role is? Hi, yes, yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Um, my name's Wednesday Lucas, and I'm currently an HR manager for Princess Cruise Lines. Fantastic, fantastic. So Wednesday, we've known each other for, um, well, we haven't really known each other. We've, we've kind of been connected on um, LinkedIn for a while. And I've, um, I don't know why, I've just always, I think it's maybe the uniqueness of your name that, you know, certain kind of people's names kind of stand out and you, you kind of remember them. Um, and I knew that you worked on the cruises. So I was kind of always looking for guests to come on the podcast and um, did a bit of kind of uh, digging into your profile that makes sound like a stalker um they kind of I basically just looked on your profile um and saw that you beyond the cruise you've actually kind of worked within hospitality tourism that type of sector for um for most of your hr career and i thought well this is a really different kind of profile we've got here that isn't your orthodox you know i worked at um, bob's engineering and uh, as a hr admin and then i went to you know um steve's engineering as a hr advisor and progressed that way so i wanted to get you on to kind of talk about um a hr career that you can have that can take you around the world essentially um because i think that's really exciting for people to kind of hear about so so thank you very much for kind of giving up your time and, and coming on so let's go kind of back to oh what I should say as well as everybody um I'm in my first ever new office and I just give Wednesday the little tour of it so uh, it's been a big couple of weeks for for me here at um at Hire People so we've got a new office um I've got my first employee Jordan Thomas um do connect with Jordan on LinkedIn and everybody because he needs to get his connection request up um and um Gatsby my dog um comes to work with me now as well so um I do apologize if anybody suddenly hears a a yapping <laughs> on the podcast um I haven't taken this outdoors um but I, my dog is here so um sometimes he does um yap up a little bit so hopefully it won't happen but um there's a strong chance it could um anyway so Wednesday kind of let's go back how how did you get into HR so um you didn't do it at, at university um what did you do at university so at university I did events and business management okay. um I think it is it's worth calling out based on listening to some of your previous podcasts I had had no intention to go to university originally um I guess when you leave college, which I also hadn't intended to go to, there just wasn't at that time a lot of information about what else was available. Um, so when I finished school, I fell into college. And then when I finished college, I fell into university. I did love the subject, 
um, events and business. And it was definitely in line with some of the work I was doing at the time. Um, but so I, why, I why, why kind of events and business? Because most people just go business management. What, what, how did the events element come into it for you? Um, I was actually, uh, this is going back now, but I was working in nightclubs at the time um, across entertainment, promotions, um, and obviously I was going to be the next big promoter. So <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> that's the that's the direction I went in. So when I looked at options, um, the events just, it, it was what I was doing at the time and okay. where I thought I was going. So, yeah. Okay, made made sense at that point in your life. It's tough, isn't it? At that point in your life, you, you're limited in what you know, and you kind of go, "Well, I love you know, I love nightclubs, but, but why wouldn't I pursue a career as, as like you say, the next big promoter?" It's you know, it makes sense as a 17, 18 year old. Okay, so so you did a, an events and business management degree, um, and then kind of what what happened kind of after that then. Um, I think it, it was actually during my degree, I had to do a placement year. I didn't have to, I chose to do a placement year as part of the sandwich degree. And I was fortunate enough to get accepted on the Disney College program. Wow. So this, yeah, so I got to go and spend six months um, in Florida. I was actually working as a lifeguard, so it wasn't really related to events or business. Um, but my lecturer at the time had said that Disney had such a strong reputation um particularly in the events events field um that having that on my resume would put me in good stead moving forward that that in itself is absolutely ridiculous isn't it that you're doing a business and events management degree you have got a um an internship which is phenomenal with disney but you're a lifeguard like you may as well as be dressed up as the like donald duck walking around the park and going well, my economics module um, is really, you know, coming into the fore right now. Um, but, but at the same time, they're saying how strong that'll be on your application. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I have to, I have to say, even, even as a lifeguard, the level of guest service training that you receive was phenomenal. Really. Um, yeah. So even obviously as a lifeguard, your priority is always safety, but we had so much training into guest service and what that guest experience should look like. And as a lifeguard, how we could contribute to that. Um, so yeah, it's from the event perspective, it definitely, I mean, you'll hear further down my career journey, like Disney put me in such good stead for my standards around guest service. So. Okay. Okay. So, you know, uh, I guess I can sit here and mock and you know kind of I am kind of obviously kind of joking a little bit but um but you know from that you did get an insight into one of the world's leading leading brands and leading um tourists you know hospitality tourism um operators I suppose you know they're huge aren't they they are okay they're huge okay so then then you you kind of did that then you came back then you finished up um and kind of what happens from there? Well, then I wanted to be a lifeguard permanently. Oh, God. <laughs> so fresh with a degree in hand. Um, obviously, with the US and the visa situation, it wasn't feasible for me to go back to Florida. Um, but I had stayed in contact with my manager from Disney at the time. And he suggested uh, contacting the cruise line. Um, because they had lifeguards, the visa situation was very different. Um, and so I did. And then I was offered a position um, with their cruise line on on a private island in the Bahamas as a lifeguard um, there. So. And who's going to say no to that? Degree in hand, I packed up and went to be a lifeguard in the Bahamas. <laughs> wow. So what was, your, what was your plan at this point? Because, I mean, it, it sounds mate, you know, at that that age you kind of you're very footloose and fancy free and and you've got your degree in your pocket um and you, you kind of don't need to grow up yet do you and and if someone's yeah. throwing an opportunity at you to say come and work on a private island in the middle of the caribbean jesus yeah i i <laughs> you wouldn't i'd pay for my own flight i think to do that um but but kind of at some point you have then come to the realization that you know this can't be you know, you can't be a career lifeguard um, sat there at, you know, 60 on the on the little ladder <laughs> blowing your whistle. Absolutely can, but yes, it wasn't for me. <laughs> no, I suppose you can, you know, never put limits on anybody. You definitely can. Um, 
so how have we how have we gone from being a lifeguard then to to moving away from that and into kind of a HR as a, as a career? How did how have you come across HR as a career? Well, I I realised I couldn't be a career lifeguard. I think as much as I loved it and I really had the best two years there, um, made lifelong friends. I did definitely want to. Um, I don't know how to explain. I definitely wanted to be a bit more active mentally, challenge myself a little bit more, go for go for something a bit more. And I sought the advice um, of some of the team that work on board. And they said, well, why don't you transition to actually being on board where there's more opportunities? Um, and I went into um, an assistant role, almost it was a PA role for the hotel general manager uh, on board. So it was a lot of advice administrative work and there I guess that was my first real insight into HR um, I wasn't actively involved in any of the processes but I did deal with um, a little bit of the administration behind it um, particularly obviously for the hotel department um, are those yeah, sorry are those, I'm really I'm, I'm quite interested are those positions quite kind of sought after so you know you going from um, kind of one role as a lifeguard to, to kind of almost kind of becoming a PA um, on board it, it sounds like quite a kind of quite a leap really and I would have assumed um, there would have been a high number of applicants for for a role like that um, because again it's the you know it's the glitz and glamour of of cruise ships isn't it people people fall in love with them both as guests and people who who work on board them as well because it's it almost becomes a life you know way of life for you um, working on there was was it was it you know an easy transition for you to to apply and kind of get the job because you were already I don't want to say in the club but you were kind of working in the organization um or was it you know was it an arduous application process and you had to kind of fight off um a ton of people no I have to you know I was really naive at the time I didn't comprehend the opportunity that I was being offered um obviously being on the island I didn't have that much um knowledge about what the operations on board looked like. And it was actually through the island manager who had connected with, um, I believe she was the VP of guest services Shoreside and kind of just gone like straight to the top. Hey, we have this girl on the island, great guest service experience, would love to put her forward. I then was fortunate enough to, to meet this lady while she was sailing. Um, I'll give her a shout out, Shelly, who you know, we had a conversation, had an interview. She put me in contact with a couple of the hotel directors that interviewed me as well. Um, I don't think it was until I actually got on board and was in the position that I understood um, how fortunate I'd been to go through that application process. And, I, you know, they are, um, being an organisation as big as they are, they will have had, they do have their, their set processes. Um, I was just lucky enough to have the, the strong referencing at the time, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I, I always, I, I always kind of go back to this as well and just say, you know, that looks a funny phrase. Um, I think it's um, sometimes circumstantial, but at the same time, opportunities don't get given to people who couldn't perform in them. You know, you must have been showing certain qualities. Otherwise, it's almost. I always think, you know, for somebody to recommend you, it's kind of it's on their head then, because you're, you know, you're a reflection of their recommendation. So. You know, all these people must have seen a quality within you, or you must have um, evidenced something. Um, otherwise, one, they wouldn't have suggested you, and two, throughout that process, you know, there's still kind of safeguarding within there that you were interviewed by different people that yeah. you must have shone um, for that to have we're happened. Quite a few yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and how was that then? How was that transition from, you know, a a a, a a lifeguard role which is you know physical um in its nature to a a, a kind of a, an admin orientated position um i think the transition um i found quite seamless i think it, it was a huge learning curve for me um from an administration perspective the only kind of computer work i'd done prior to that is writing assignments on word for university um playing around on Excel a little bit, but usually playing Tetris on Excel, nothing, <laughs> nothing substantial. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can play Tetris on Excel? Nobody ever showed me this. <laughs> I'll send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, but yeah, so I had, um, I was fortunate enough to have a really strong handover. Um, the lady, Laura, that did my initial handover into the role was so knowledgeable. Um, she really, really set me up for success in that phase. She taught me a few tricks with the keyboard that I wasn't aware of before. Um, but yeah, I think it all came, a, a lot of that role was obviously taking care of the hotel department, the hotel director, um, and I'm working with people, which I've always enjoyed. So, it, you know, when it was looking after the VIPs or, or um, partnering with concierge on on VIP guests that we had on board, that all came rather naturally, I think. Okay. Okay. And how, so you mentioned that you you weren't necessarily involved in HR, but you um, kind of picked up a little bit of the kind of low level admin stuff. So how do we then kind of talking through this continued progression? um how, how have you ended up kind of getting more exposed and, or transitioning into HR what what was the story um well my interest as I said was sparked there I had I then also applied for um an L&D role which was on board so really looking after the learning and development across the the vessel um how it works on cruises you you interview for roles and you might be accepted but you have to wait for they call it a line to open up so either when someone's on vacation or someone is promoted or moves on um and i waited quite some time um for an opportunity to become available and in the meantime i'd already started exploring studying my cipd to get that educational foundation knowledge as well um and then I was presented with an opportunity um to go to Abu Dhabi and start in an entry-level HR position there with somebody who I had already connected with through Disney okay so so just to go back one step so so what made what triggered you to start the CIPD study did you know that um that would be advantageous to do that because I imagine that's quite you know you're on the other side of the world um and you need a qualification from the UK that you're gonna have to do kind of distance learning um did you even know about the CIPD like how did how did kind of what the thought process around all that that's a really good question I don't know that I actually remember how I know about the CIPD it must have definitely been recommended to me um Whilst I, I can use Google, I'm not that efficient. <laughs> I'd have found all sorts of courses. Because um, I also, I do- like thinking about it, I imagine a lot of your colleagues are all from different nationalities. They're not all from the UK or just America. Yeah, I did. I do avidly recall knowing, I mean, in America, they use SHRM. So that's the American equivalent. Um, and I now know that in Australia, they use ARI. So I think they actually all partner with each other. So if you have a certificate with one, the other business will honor your membership at the same level with them as well. Um, so I think it was actually Sherm that I was aware of first, which is the American one. But just considering how difficult it is with visas, um, it made more sense, obviously, to partake in the UK study Um because it would probably serve me better for the future. Yeah, that's interesting. I never, I didn't know that that um, the um, kind of governing bodies of the institutions kind of partner with each other. Um, I actually, I'm sure I've come across it in the past where um, there's there's been kind of barriers around um, people coming from certain countries and and, um, and trying to kind of get some form of um, kind of UK qualification from the CIPD that reflects it. Um, I might I might well be wrong, but I'm, I, I thought that. Okay, that's interesting to know that. That's good for people to kind of be aware of. Um, so uh, Abu Dhabi now. Um, <laughs> so, so so you knew somebody from Disney. They had gone. I guess they'd gone over there. Were kind of operating over there. Um, you you know you go to, you go to your network if you've got an opportunity. You always think, who do I know who might be good for this? And they they kind of reached out to you then. 
Yeah, um, I, I think at the time, you know, I'd said I was looking, really interested in HR. I'd reached out um, to Jennifer. She was already in HR, so someone I could ask questions to, um, who I was comfortable to kind of say what I was looking for. Um, and then, yeah, she she talked about a position that I was really interested in. Um, as I said, it was entry level. They were aware that I didn't have any practical experience in the industry. Um, obviously, had a lot of experience with luxury travel, hospitality, tourism at that point. Um, and yeah, so one January the 4th, I packed up and moved to Abu Dhabi. Wow. So were you kind of, what was your kind of mental state at this point? And what, what I mean by that is, um, you know, you're, you're kind of um, jet setting around the world, really. Was that, was that something that you had, had kind of planned or were you just very kind of carefree and kind of as each opportunity kind of presents itself, um, just really open and going, well, you know, I, I'm because um, some people are quite kind of a home, but some people get homesick and they struggle with these sorts of things. Um, I think I would have been very much like you, you know, I'm, I'm kind of um, seeing an opportunity and think I, I see the excitement around it and, and kind of just, yeah, probably follow my heart more than my head at, at times. Um, but what we kind of, because people would be listening to this and going, wow, this all sounds amazing. But, um, you know, you as an individual must have had these own, this dialogue internally with yourself about, you know, oh God, well, I'm, you know, first I was in um, the Caribbean and then I was on a, you know, cruise ships and now there's something in Abu Dhabi. Um yeah. It sounds a bit scarier when you say it like that. I don't know that those, I have thought, uh, you know, this question has come up before, usually with friends actually that ask similar, you know, how do you just get up and go? I think we, as children, we traveled with my dad's job. So it ha- it hasn't been something that I've had to consider. Um, so it's we traveled almost felt a, little bit. a bit normal. Yeah, it, I, I just knew that work abroad was accessible to you um, because we'd moved a few times as children. Um, so I had I'd never I hadn't ever given it that much weight, I guess. Okay. Um, can, I, can I ask you something then? Because um, again, if I think about kind of people who might be listening to this, um, some people will think there's there's lots of barriers to this and thinking, well. You know how how is she getting these jobs in these countries around the world and and um like you don't know what you don't know kind of thing that um is it fairly easy through this process because people will be sat there thinking you know I'd love to do this I'd love to go and see the world and 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 do that you know this sounds amazing and and at the same time you're building up a career you know if this sounds almost idealistic um but people won't necessarily know. They'll think it's a really hard process. Um, is it, or is it actually easier? You know, are there less barriers to doing this than people would maybe um, assume or anticipate there might be? Um, I think it's probably easier than people anticipate, but that's not to say that there aren't barriers. Um, you know, in terms of the degree as much as that wasn't something that I ever really strived for in a lot of countries, when you're looking at visas, having a degree awards award you a certain amount of points to help you qualify for a visa. Um, so whilst I might not particularly apply so much what I learned during my university studies now with the work that I do, having that degree has definitely helped me obtain visas to the countries that I've been to. Um, but co- and I have done it a couple of ways. So sometimes I've moved to a country already with a job in hand, and then the process has been quite seamless because the employer will take on the bulk of of that work like for you. Like a sponsorship you. almost. Correct, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you it's basically just sending off the documents that they're requesting so that they can do all of the, the application side for you. On the other hand, if you're arriving without... Um, a job and you're going off your own back quite often it'll be on a work and travel visa or on a travel visa um then there's a little bit more work involved 
Um, but there are so many websites, forums that you can use to get advice. Now with social media, there are groups on social media you can connect with. Um, it's just about taking the time, really. I think if it's something you're really set on, there are people out there that would be more than willing to help you along that journey. Um, you just have to find them and ask. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And, and I think like you say, you know, I've certainly seen it in the last... I don't know, a year or maybe two years, um, the amount of kind of forums and groups, especially on Facebook, just seems to be popping up for, for kind of like everything's, you know, um, and it, they are really helpful. You know, there's there's some ridiculous nonsense in there, but generally, you know, people are really, really kind of helpful um, through that stuff. So that that's kind of really useful information as well. So let's get back to kind of, let's get back to the story then. So, um, so you you moved over to to kind of Abu Dhabi um and what what was the role then so what were you actually doing because this I'm guessing this is now your first kind of proper proper HR position now that you're doing yeah so I went over as an HR executive which sounds quite (laughs) which sounds senior but it's it's an entry-level role in the UAE just Um, terminology yeah terminology And it was, yeah, it really was an entry-level position. It was looking, um, obviously, there because everybody who works is sponsored. Um, It's quite a huge process, and often people are flying in. You get a package, so you're also providing them accommodation, transportation to and from work. Uh, So it was a lot of logistics, a lot of administration. Um, The hotel, St. Regis, on Sadiat, had only been open for a couple of years, um, so if you look at a hotel lifestyle cycle, that's still it's still very young. Um, so it was just really setting the foundations and and looking at how those processes were going to work moving forward. How could we improve them? Um, there was a huge piece on employee welfare as well because you really were responsible for every aspect of their life. Um, it was making sure you know there was activities, clubs that they could be involved in. Um, we set up a committee to get feedback um, from from the teams as well to understand we're providing all these activities, but are there the activities that you want, or are we in the wrong direction? So, so what made very, what made you think about that then? Is that is that just a model that is applied across all of these types of um, kind of luxury hotels? Of um, you know, the role of HR is um, isn't just kind of um, the standard it is to to kind of look after. It's almost like their um, their whole life, isn't it? Is is in and out of work that you have to kind of provide a um, a kind of a care of service for. So is that something that you were aware of, and and kind of the team around you just knew because it's kind of tried and tested across all of these, or was or were you doing stuff that was innovative um, at this this hotel? Um. I think it really depends on where your property is located. So I would say that it was quite a, in terms of welfare, it's quite a standard practice of the UAE. I was also very familiar with it from the cruise line because again, you're contained on a ship. So the the team on board have to make sure that the crew are well looked after. Um, so there were groups, clubs, activities, party nights um, that were organized there. Now that I've had experience outside of that space, I would it, it's not common practice all the world over. You know, if we look, let's say, um, at hotels on a, a mainland, they probably don't have to go into such a level because people have activities outside. They have friendships, connections, families. Um, in these more secluded opportunities, um, that's where the responsibility really comes in. So, no, it... I, we tried to be innovative, definitely, in terms of getting feedback. We definitely added a few new activities that hadn't been done before, such as paintballing um, and, and just, yeah, just trying to push the boundaries, work within within the budget constraints, but really listen and understand what it was that they, what they wanted. Did you feel an extra weight of pressure having to provide this welfare um, kind of outside of just, you know, I'm not going to say the nine to five because obviously these operations are 24 seven, but you know, I mean, kind of outside of the working day, um, having to then provide this care, this support, 
um, you're almost kind of, you know, kind of the nanny state almost within a, a microclimate, aren't you? Um, did, did that lead to an ex, were you, were you very aware of it? Did you feel the, the burden of pressure from it? I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, (laughs) Well, at the time, I don't think I did. It was my first position. It was entry level. Um, Now, again, you almost didn't know what you didn't know. You didn't know any different. So it it was part of the job. I enjoyed it. And I obviously like it's great to receive good feedback. It's great when you see that your teams are engaged and enjoying. so from that perspective, I, I definitely understood, but I think I was just too new in my HR career to understand the magnitude of the responsibility, if that makes sense. Now, yeah. 100%. At the time, I was still still finding my feet and exploring a little bit. Okay. So go, go back to kind of like almost the technical element of the job, because, you know, we can talk about kind of the the nuances of, of, of this type of role and how exciting and different it is. But, um, you know, think about the kind of core principles of the, this this podcast. It's about people going through their, their careers and getting insights from that. It's your, you've got a very different flavor in your story because it's, <laughs> I'm going to say something now, you're going to laugh. It's exotic. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Um, but going back to kind of like the technical aspects of it, how did you learn about doing the actual job then? Um, was it was it kind of easy? Was it straightforward? Um, at this point, yeah, it was administration based. So I'd had my experience with Disney. Um, administration wasn't something that phased me. I once you've once you understand what that process is, it's repetition and it's it's also make you know auditing yourself to make sure that that everything's done correctly, um, holding yourself accountable as well. Um, and learning from the people around you, um, people that have been there, done what you're now doing, asking questions. Um, it was, yeah, I, I think a, a, now on reflection, a lot more learning took place than I'd realised at the time. Um, but it definitely it definitely was the foundation for for all things to come. Okay. So what, what helped you succeed in those early days then? Was it the... I don't want to say nosy, but inquisitive, asking questions, um, listening to the conversations that are going on around you. Yeah, and I think drive as well. Um, I are you ambitious? <laughs> yeah, I, would, I, I think so. And I think whether a good or a bad thing, when I decide to commit myself, I commit myself. It's either all or nothing. So. <laughs> It wasn't a case of, you know, I'm going to take this in my stride. I'm going to casually learn as I go. It was like, I need all this information and I need it now. Because I guess um, in a way, actually, that's a good point. Because in a way you could it, could, it could be argued that people might go down the similar route as you um, to take advantage of the environment and circumstances and, and almost, you know, kind of not put their all into the job because they're they've taken the job to get them into that um lifestyle is the wrong word but into that um that type of environment and you know uh, going overseas and um in a luxury hotel and have all those you know things at your fingertips and it could it could almost be argued there's an interesting point that it could almost be argued that, that some people might um i'm sure there probably are some people um would take advantage of that situation and, and they'll be a bit half-arsed in the in the job um but you kind of not that you almost you know no matter where you were you are you are kind of go big or go home yeah <laughs> that's a really good way to put it yes exactly that and I think I mean don't so literally me I suppose it literally is go big or, or go home <laughs> yeah it's definitely and it's no no secret in hospitality like it is longer hours um and I was new in the country as well like I hadn't I wasn't in a position where I'd had an opportunity to make a lot of friends yet so it wasn't like I was rushing to get out of the door I didn't have anything to rush to get out of the door for um I've always been quite strict in terms of separating work from play and making sure that I have that balance um but when I was at work I was at work and you know, if you speak to any of my leaders from back then, they would tell you like me knocking on the door. Hey, can I shadow this? Hey, can I get 
can you give me some more information about this? Hey, when do I get to have a go? Um, so this is good because this this is a very very yeah this is a really common theme through the podcast though of of people who progress. It is that knocking on the door, putting the head above the parapet, asking you know can I do this? Can I take on more? Um, you know, taking themselves out of that side of the comfort zone. So it's it's interesting that you know without me asking you've been kind of quite forthcoming with that information because it is a I think for people who've um, consistently listened to the podcast, they will realise that is quite an occurring theme of, of people who have progressed through their careers to, to kind of more of a senior level. Um, okay, okay. Um, so you're a HR executive. Um, how, do we, how do we move forward? Um, so I was actually promoted at that property um, to assistant HR manager. Um, that came... I guess just through perseverance and knocking on the door regularly. Yeah. Um, but you can giggle, do, but that, but that, that's it, isn't it? That, that, if you could give advice to someone, I bet you would say that's what you need to do. You need to knock on the door. You need to pester in a in a good way, but you know, be a be a pleasant irritant. Um, you know, yeah, tell irritant, yeah, tell <laughs> tell people that you know, make it known that that you're ambitious. That you know, if an opportunity comes up you know, you want to be front and centre of their mind when, when that yeah. happens. Yeah. I think the only other thing um, that I would say, I fully support that sentiment. Obviously, that's how I've operated. Um, but I did also receive some really good advice, um, which is also to slow down. It, because, yes, it's one thing to know everything at a glance, but you, from an HR perspective, um if we look at our remit of our responsibilities and how those responsibilities can, you know, impact people's careers in that situation, really impact people's lives because, you know, we had everything, the accommodation, the visa, um, make sure that, you know, you know, you have to reflect as well. You have to take the time to analyze and be self-aware. And I think sometimes it's something I've become more aware of now, but getting that balance right. So yes, wanting to progress and develop, but also having a realistic understanding of where you are and where your skill set is now so that you can better shape what it is that you still need to work on um, to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of always like going through your apprenticeship at every level, isn't it? You, you need yeah. to become good at it before you can, you know, it's, it's good to be ambitious. It's good to want to progress, but you can't drop the ball um, for the sake of, of, you know, wanting to kind of um, move too fast. Now, I agree, I agree with that sentiment. Okay. So you got, you got promoted to a um, assistant HR manager role. So um, how is that different then to the, to a HR exec position? Um, well, my team size grew. Um, so, so you I became had, a line manager now? Yes. Um, okay. So I had um, uh, a bigger team. We it, it was quite diverse. The teams were quite big in Abu Dhabi. So I was operating in a generalist space. We had a separate division for L&D and we had a separate division for recruitment. So my core focus was really in that generalist space. And whilst we would land support in recruitment and L&D, um, it, it was really the generalist space we were operating in. So there I, had, I was very fortunate, really diverse team. And that's I think that's one of the biggest advantages, I think, to pursuing a career while traveling is that you just get so much exposure to so many different people. Um, and wherever you are in your journey, you will always be learning. So whether that's learning from your managers, whether that's learning from your peers or people in your team, um, and just having that diverse nationality mix, every day I was learning something, uh, which is what made the job so rewarding, I guess. Yeah. What was it like um, becoming a line manager? So I guess your first kind of um, line management role, because because I think it's something people don't necessarily think about too much when they step up into a manager position of actually, you know, you you kind of step away from doing the day job as much and you now become a, you know, a shepherd of, of kind of people of, um, you know, making sure that collectively the team is working and, and then each individual's got their own needs and their own wants and need support. And it is, you know, it's dynamics that you, you're not always kind of told about. So how did you find that transition? Um, 
I found it really tough, actually, I think. And I had such clear expectations of what I expected from my leadership and from my management that I then, you know, realized how difficult that could be to achieve sometimes (laughs) when you are then in the same position. Um, So, yeah, really trying to make sure every all my expectations that I was then able to meet for my team as well um and that's difficult I mean you are busy in your role and I do you know I look back on some of those conversations and just you want to cringe you you really see how much you've developed (laughs) over a period of time um but yeah really trying to and I'm a huge supporter in you know Helping someone else shine bright is never going to dim your your light. Um, so really trying to help and support people where they want to be supported and listen. Because quite often I think people have an idea of where they want to go and we might have a different idea. But we have to stop, sit back, listen to what it is they want because not everybody has the same career objectives. Not everybody has the same goals in mind. Um, and when you are driven, where you are hungry, you kind of assume that of everybody. Yeah. And that's not always the case. So, yeah, it, there were a lot of learnings during this period, a lot yeah. of learning. It is. It's, that's why I was kind of um, curious to ask, because it is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a difficult transition. Um, and, I, and I also think, throw into that, if you're promoted from within the team, from becoming one of the team to them being the manager of the team that's that's equally as hard because you now have to remove yourself from that kind of collective kind of chit chat gossip stuff to to you know you're now performance managing people and you know if somebody is slacking a little bit you're the one who's kind of got to chase them up a little bit whereas in the past you didn't have to do that because you sat next to them all or you know, that's a really tough um, dynamic to do as well, I think. I think that's one of the one of the sayings that stayed with me, which actually stemmed from this role was really like in HR in general, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that was really the first time um, where I had to put that into practice. It was, yeah, it was it was it was tough but yeah. it was enjoyable it was incredibly rewarding so yeah and and like like you say you know um it is a learning curve and, and it, you're only going to improve on that by consistently doing it um and, and eventually the uncomfortable does become more comfortable and you become more more adept and um more used to it cool i agree okay so um so how why did you end up kind of moving moving on from Abu Dhabi then um at the time uh quite uh, personal reasons um at the time my partner and I wanted to travel a little bit more so we wanted to go to Australia um this is the time where we kind of got our work and holiday visas went without any employment um but yeah there wasn't that was really the driving factor at the time it was to to get to australia and discover that part of the world okay okay so you so you went without a job how you landed in australia uh, which bit of australia did you go to like did so you we land actually in? we arrived in melbourne um my partner at the time was a chef and melbourne was really seen as the the foodie um town to be in it's quite a european the, kind of city isn't it yeah yeah, but so was the weather. So <laughs> we stayed in Melbourne for a week because we were like, we didn't come to the other side of the world for this um, weather. And granted, it was the time of the year, but we actually then moved up to Sydney and settled yeah. in Sydney. I, I agree. Yeah, I think I spent a couple of days in Melbourne and um, yeah, it wasn't, it, it was like being here really. Um, and then I went to Sydney, but I was, I was in Sydney kind of over winter time mostly. So um, needed it. A slightly thicker top on anyway um okay so you went to you went to you went to sydney uh footloose and front free again no job um new city um kind of a similarity though kind of because you know uk australian relationships are strong how did you yeah. get a job i really struggled this is the time where i found it difficult um there was a lot of uh Resistance, I guess, because of the type of visa we were on. It only actually gave us working rights for up to 12 months. Um, 
so for some employers, unless it was a fixed term contract um, or a project based contract, it, it wasn't appealing. Um, and though I was met with a lot of resistance about not having any previous HR experience in Australia. Um, which is which interesting I because quite- you haven't just gone from the UK to Australia, you've actually have real broad experience across multiple um, countries, um, nationalities. So you've got a real kind of um, melting pot of experience here, but there was still that kind of, yeah. um, I would use the word prejudice, which is probably quite a strong phrase, but you know, the um, resistance, as you would say, kind of against um, your profile. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, and it was frustrating because from my perspective, it was, you know, I've been able to adapt and navigate labor laws um, in a country that's only 50 years old. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's about knowing where to go for the information. It's about networking. So making sure you've built and have a strong network and about having resources. So as I mentioned before, prior to arriving in Australia, I'd actually reached out to ARI, which is the Australian Institute, um, and they partner with CIPD. So I was able to receive their certification as well via an application, then had full membership um, to them, which that you know they're sending you bulletins, there's webinars I was attending, things to keep me up to date and relevant with what was going on in Australia. So I didn't really feel that that was, yes, it, it might take me more time, but it certainly wasn't, in my opinion, going to be a barrier. Um, but there were a lot of businesses out there that felt that might have been the case. Yeah. So how did you, so how did you get, so how were you applying for jobs? Were you going through recruitment agencies? Were you going on kind of their their Australian job boards? How was it happening? Yeah, I did a bit of everything, to be honest. Um, Recruitment agencies, job boards, Indeed, Seek, um, because hospitality is, um, such a diverse business and it's very common practice for people to travel and move. I was trying to leverage connections. Um, You know, at the time St. Regis was part of Starwood, which is now merged with is owned by Marriott. So it was reaching out to people. Um, I had so much support behind me, um, but it was quite challenging. And I, you know, I was offered a role, uh, an assistant HR manager role, um, which at that point I, I had the experience and I felt that I wasn't I wasn't doing myself justice if I was to accept that just because of the country that I was in. Um, so I declined that to continue to pursue. I was really looking for that HRM role. And Which is a bold, uh, that's a bold step to, to think, <laughs> right, I haven't got anything here. A lot of people are just telling me, no, someone's offered me something and I'm going to oh. turn it down. But go big or go home. <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah, why not? Hey, eh? put all your chips on red. Yeah, I don't. Do you know? I look back now, and that was probably a confidence um, or naivety. Or a confidence, I should say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I just felt it had been such a strong learning in Abu Dhabi that I was in a position where I was ready for that role. Do you think, um, it, do you think it comes down to self-belief as well of, of, you know, sometimes holding out for something comes down to your own self-belief, doesn't it? Of thinking uh, all, all the indicators are saying no, yeah. but I, I, I'm going to back myself. I am do. Yeah. I've got, I've got all the stuff that I just need the right person to be open to me and it will happen. Yeah. And I, I absolutely do believe that. And I am still based on feedback that I've received previously, very mindful that I regularly need to check in and self, uh, you know, be self-aware of the position I'm at. Um, So it, it really is a process for me. And at that time I do recall thinking, am I being too optimistic? Am I, you know, pushing for something that I'm not quite capable of yet. And at that time, even with all that self-reflection, I was comfortable that that was a position I was ready for. Um, and that's that's what kept me kept me pursuing. Yeah. Okay. There's a, there has to be a grounded element within it, doesn't there? You can you can be yeah. ambitious. You can be, you know, the most um, 
self-believing individual out there um but you can also be a fool and if you are just chasing the stars and nothing's ever coming off then you would fall into the fool category so at some point you have to have grounded realism around um around you know your expectations of what's going to happen and i think if you've had that feedback and you are quite self-aware um there's no harm in, in being confident and backing yourself um as long as you have that groundedness of thinking i'm not being ridiculous here it's a long shot but there's still a you know there's a good probability of of something coming off if i just keep going through the right mechanisms and processes um and keep my activity levels up yeah absolutely okay, okay. so you did so you got a job so how how did it happen in the end so it was actually it was through a recruitment agency um it wasn't the job that I was looking for uh, initially. It was as uh, an HR team leader. And it was actually for David Jones, which is probably our equivalent to, say, Selfridges. Um, okay. All right. So it's not hospitality then? No. Retail. Oh. Look retail. It was a fixed-term contract, which was why, based on the feedback from the recruiter, they were like, it's a great brand, still in that luxury space very aligned with your CV to date um, and it's fixed term contract. It's going to give you some of its exposure to, to the Australian HR. So um, it was heavily recruitment focused. And that was, um, as I mentioned in my previous role as a generalist, I'd had um, some exposure um, to recruitment, um, was very comfortable with the process but absolutely knew that I would could benefit further from getting some more solid experience in recruitment and with it being fixed term um there was a timeline on it so I knew that I had the opportunity to continue to pursue uh what I was looking for okay um I was only there for four months um which was the time that the the project was mapped out for it was great experience I met some great great teammates that I was working with. It was a really fun vibe in the office. We had quite a lot of work to do in a short period of time. We were recruiting for, they were rebranding their food halls um, to really actually make it more like that Selfridges experience, okay. somewhere where you could go for champagne, oysters. And yeah. um, my hospitality background definitely influenced that hiring decision, I think. Um, but, but it was yeah, that it springboard, also- really. It was Even though it was only four months, it gave you experience. Um, to kind of add to your own personal toolkit of your you know your your skills of what you could do but really it was that springboard of going right now I I've got four months working in Australia in a HR role that now kind of just lends itself to future applications better absolutely okay um, and then it did um I was actually I was actually contacted via LinkedIn for for somebody from um, it was an internal it was a they they operated as a recruitment agency but it was an internal recruitment agency. Okay. I, um, was incredibly could have sorry who's who's IHG uh, Intercontinental Hotel Group. Okay, so huge again, huge brand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got the message on LinkedIn and I was like, this is too good to be true. Um, They were looking for an HR manager for Intercontinental Sydney um, and would I be interested, which of course was an absolute no-brainer, beautiful brand, still in that luxury space. And yeah, so I got back in touch and from there we set up, it was a a three-interview process uh, so they definitely wanted to make sure that they were doing their due diligence. Made you go um, through the hoops. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it's such a beautiful property and exactly what I was looking for. So yeah, it was okay. definitely out for. Okay. So what what sort of experiences did you get kind of within this role then? Um, well, it was really, really jumping straight in um, with this role. It was uh, the first time where I was, so at St. Regis, I'd obviously been promoted within. So I'd already had access to people. I was already familiar with the teams. This was very much, you know, starting from scratch, um, building those relationships with the leaders, connecting with the team. Um, 
I had an HR coordinator that I was working with um, who was fantastic, really supportive, um, that really that really helped me embed myself. As I said, it was, whilst I am confident you can move and get familiar with employment law, labor law, it does require extra effort because it's not something that you're already familiar with and yeah. there's nuances unionized is it not um so there was quite a little bit of work I had to do in the background just to just so that I felt confident um in what I was doing I was going to ask you uh, that application of kind of now adapting to kind of um Australian um legislation employment law but it but it although it's not kind of a million miles away you it was just kind of um going out learning soaking up the information like say um going on webinars um reading um, email updates and stuff like that so it, it was kind of an easy adaptation but it was an adaptation yes exactly and it's just making sure that like I like to feel confident in myself so I need to know that the information I'm delivering is accurate and correct um so you know if sometimes I had to say I'm really sorry I don't have the answer I'll come back to you I would much prefer to take that approach than to maybe not be 100% confident in the message that I'm delivering. So, yeah, sometimes that was what I had to say. I can't give you a, a complete answer right now, but if you can give me some time, I'll come back to you. Um, and again, I've, we, we spoke about this on the podcast. That That is an important skill for people to learn, to to not kind of panic on the spot and think, oh, my God, I, I, I you know, I should know the answer to this and, and fudge something. It's absolutely OK to say, do you know what? I think I know, but I'm just going to go and verify it because I don't want to give you misinformation. And it's actually better in the longer term to to do that, isn't it? Than than kind of uh, you know um, mess up and, and give people bad information, which then has consequential effects or con- consequential implications further down the line. Absolutely, and I think that's how that's how you build your network. That's how you build relationships. It's it's based on trust. So. You know, it only takes, we all know it takes time to build trust and it's very easy to break. So you, you, I guess, just have that. I try to have that thought in the back of my mind. I, I want to support this person the best way I can. And if I don't have that information right now, I need to let them know that I can't help you immediately, but I am going to get back to you. Okay. Okay. So kind of great opportunity gave you that kind of experience in in Australia um you adapted you essentially used all the uh, the techniques and the skills that you'd amassed up to that point it was just learning how to operate within the Australian market that was all really yeah yeah okay and then how have you then moved from you know or, or why did you then move kind of from there into into your current role um, so there was a bit of there was a bit of an in between. So still with Intercontinental, I then moved up to Queensland. Um, that was to open a new Intercontinental on Hayman Island. Incredible experience, probably to date where most of my professional learning has taken place. Okay, okay. Um, Why do you say that? Um. There was just so much involved, both on a professional level and on a personal level. It really kind of, I don't want to use the word imploded. (laughs) That's not the right word. It all, there was just a lot of things going on in a really short space of time. Um, And to be part of such a prestigious opening, which, you know, the team, if you speak to anybody involved, it was Every emotion you can imagine you will have experienced at some so we, point. We, we work into a deadline of an opening. Yes. Oh, okay, so we were, loads of pressure there. Yeah, and I was actually in role, I think it was around 10 months before opening. So it was a huge piece of work prior. Again, there was a lot of logistics involved because employees were living on the island. Um, there were visas involved. Um but ultimately, that experience, um, yeah, will stay with me for a very, very long time. Probably um, far too much to talk about then in kind of the final few minutes of a podcast of, of, of kind of everything that happened with that project. It's a project, really, isn't it? That It was. It was. It was. It was a great project. But essentially, my visa was coming to its end. Okay. So... Um, 
at that point, there were a lot of things going on at home, personal things, happy things, but I realized I wasn't as close to home as I'd like to be at the time. Um, So I needed to look for an opportunity that would help me transition back and potentially have more time at home okay um so the cruise uh seemed like a good opportunity obviously i was familiar so you kind of come full circle you're back on the cruises again yeah and it, it and it offers this unique lifestyle which you know you you would struggle to find anywhere else i in the role i'm in now i work four months on board and two months off so four months a year i have to very either intense. stay at home or travel or yeah choose choose how I spend that time obviously travel's been a bit limited over the last 12 months but yeah. um, it, it just provided me an opportunity to get that time at home so when I came back from Australia I was able to spend um I think it was around three months at home before I joined and my brother got married um my sisters had babies so there was there was a lot of reasons uh to be back at home and since then yeah it's just obviously covid has had huge impacts on our industry in general specifically the cruise lines um our experience on ruby princess over in australia was incredibly unique and again i do you know the the experience and learnings that i got from that will will last a lifetime but um definitely worth it yeah so test testing kind of conditions over last year but like you say it's how you how you handle those and what you learn from the situations and it's that reflection that you know let's hope we never go through the type of pandemic that that's kind of been happening um again but there's still fundamental lessons that you can take the application from and use that you know for other things that will come up in the future as well yeah absolutely okay fantastic well it sounds like things are going kind of really well for you right now you've got that kind of nice work-life balance um but you know you've been able to to have a um, a life to this point where you've seen the world and uh, you know i imagine to some degree the envy of your you kind of your friends and your family um because i imagine some of the stories that you've got to share rather than you know just just commuting to the same place every day and um you know seeing the same town and 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 that sort of thing i imagine it's very much got its negatives um but you know you you offset those with the positives that you get that that you know ordinary folk wouldn't do but just by um by kind of looking at a kind of standard career absolutely absolutely as with everything though there's positives yeah you know you said like you said you sacrificed seeing your family and and and, and your friends from home and, and all that to to have this journey and um, and see the world so there are I guess it's almost I suppose when you look at kind of pros and cons they're amplified really because it's not about um, oh well you know with this one um, it's going to be a slightly longer commute but I'll I'll get an extra day's holiday with yours it's <laughs> well I'll get this huge opportunity but the negatives and the sacrifices are equally as as large yeah yeah. Okay. And you, you know, that's that's very personal. I think that would be something I'd really struggle to advise on because that's really personal and you need to be able to be comfortable making those decisions yourself. Yeah. I think I think it's been worth it. Um yeah. not everyone would that view. No, I agree. And you know, that that's kind of part of bringing you on. You've got a very, very different story. And to some, you know, you this story will hopefully it will inspire somebody. But at the same time, there might be somebody listening to this and they'll instantly be turned off and go, that, that's not for me, you know. But but that's the whole point of this podcast. It's about bringing these different um, journeys that people have been on to share their insights and what they've experienced to to help other people make informed decisions through their, their careers. Um, so, you know, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, I will kind of finish just with, with one kind of last question. Um, what what advice would you is the question i always ask everybody um what advice would you give to either the younger wednesday or um to somebody who maybe has aspirations to follow in in the type of career path that you've had um i'm gonna give two if that's okay the first one do network 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 um it really is so valuable and not 
not network as in just send a couple of requests here and there with people who you think might be able to help you, but like speak to people, learn from people, stay in contact. Um, you know, our, our employment life cycle now, gone are the days where you stay with the same employer for, for your entire life, but stay, stay in touch and stay well connected. Um, because I've had some amazing mentors along my professional journey who I will still reach out to um, for advice. And the other thing I would say is don't compare yourself or your journey to anybody else's. I think I've recently commented this on one of your You did, posts. didn't you? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, and it's purely because, you know, we, we do get in that cycle where we look at other people, maybe our age, um, and compare where our journey is. But your journeys are so unique. Um, had I started my HR career straight out of uni, yes, I may be in a more senior position now. Would I have seen as much of the world? Probably not. Um, so it's really just stay in your own lane. Stay in your own lane. Focus on what works for you. Um, and, yeah, do your cool. thing. I think one, you know, yours is a very kind of unique um, story. Um, if people do have more questions and, and want to kind of um, explore this and maybe ask you stuff that we haven't covered today, um, are people okay to approach you on LinkedIn and, and, and kind of ask uh, you and kind of tap into the, the, the knowledge that you could share? Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. Okay, fantastic. Wednesday, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. And there we have it. Another show done. Thank you for listening. If you do enjoy the show, please do like and review it on whichever platform it is that you listen to your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google. Um, also, why not tell a friend as well? Get them involved. Share the wealth around. Um, feedback is greatly appreciated as well. You can um, reach me on LinkedIn. Any feedback is really, really appreciated because that goes back into helping the show be what it is that you want um, and I can tailor it to make sure that I'm asking the questions that, that you guys think are relevant. But thanks again and see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specialising in the HR and marketing professions. I've been an internal recruitment manager and a HR manager using the services of agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I've also been a job seeker who has been on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I have applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards, but continuously drive those standards higher. This has come by offering a market leading six month 100% rebate, the innovation of a 3D CV concept that provides a video summary as well as the traditional CV for each candidate. And we place the focus on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, Get in touch and let's see how we can help you.